This podcast features three supposed adults who definitely use adult language. They're also supposedly writers who are definitely not procrastinating by making this podcast. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to No Bad Ideas, the storytelling game show where we take the worst ideas from the internet and try to turn them into stories that are actually good. My name is Gabriel Urbina, and I am your first Bad Ideas host. My name is Sarah Shankett. I'm your second Bad Ideas host. And my name is Zach Valenti, your third Bad Ideas host. And today we are joined by um, two special guest stars that I am honestly confused why they have decided to come back to No Bad Ideas. They're way too good to be here. The first time we lured them in with promises of candy and sweets and gingerbread, um, somehow they have decided that once burnt, not twice shy. So they have made their triumphant return to the House of Bad Ideas. We are joined today by the head of creative at Multitude, the DM of Join the Party, and a person who can definitely dunk is Mr. Eric Silver. And we That's are me. also joined by the senior audio editor at Multitude and a little audio guy, Misha Stanton. Hey, guys, how are you doing? I'm just a guy. I'm just a little audio guy. Uh, I want to say... I want to say the only reason why I'm here is that I need to serve Misha. Misha, you've been served. Oh, no. And this is the only place oh, I can figure out how to get, it, get, oh, get them to show shit. up. Oh, subpoenas suck. Misha, you have to talk in front of the Senate about the X-Men initiative. Do it. You have to for the country. Okay. It's weird that you can make that subpoena happen where Misha is over Zoom. That's wild. Yeah, that's yeah, what the government's been... Is this latest Zoom the patch is wild. Yeah, it's the newest software. <laughs> update zoom now allows you to serve court documents via its encrypted protocol mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's what the government has been working on obviously and i can only imagine that's what it is and, and not, not anything, anything else not anything else yeah. <laughs> misha eric thank you so much for being on the show this is normally the part of the show where we would be like so what do you guys work on tell us a little bit about what projects you've got going on if we did that with the two of you we would be here for days yeah that would be the whole podcast at that point yeah um, uh, so let's just say that if you listen to fiction podcasts or if you listen to podcast podcasts, you have definitely heard these wonderful, wonderful people's work. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that work in the back half of the show. But first, we have some business to take care of. That's right. For anybody who is unfamiliar, this is the show where we take the worst ideas of our species human beings uh, in the form of news stories, pitch them to each other and try and weave them into narratives worthy of anyone's time and attention. Are you ready, folks? Yes, or please. I have the first badness for today. Hit us. From the Daily Mail. Oh, a reliable source of terribleness. 740,000 pounds of painting is ruined after security guard draws eyes on faceless figures at Russian gallery. Awesome. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. Just to be clear, this is the 
like pounds isn't the currency, not like yes, somebody yes. being real Baroque and measuring painting units Correct. by Correct. how much they weigh. If that was true, no. I, I would be a very, uh, very wealthy artist if it was just by weight. Gabrielle, we finally figured out how to make art objective and we're just weighing <laughs> paintings now. Look, I'm just amazed that the viral marketing campaign for um, everything, everywhere, all at once is off to such a fantastic start. <laughs> <laughs> a painting worth 740,000 pounds has been destroyed after a, quote, bored security guard drew eyes on faceless <laughs> figures depicted in the artwork at a Russian gallery. This story being from before Putin decided to fuck shit up and uh, hopefully not start World War III, knock on wood, um, uh, from February uh, of this year. Okay, well, not too far away from that. Not too far, but uh, before the madness began. Um, on his first day at the job, the security guard had drawn two pairs of eyes with a ballpoint pen onto artist <laughs> Anna uh, Liporskaya's three figures. His first day? Yes, that's right. Uh, wow. Drawn uh, 1932 to 1934. Her painting during an abstract art exhibition at the Yeltsin Center in the city of Yekartsenburg. Western Russia. This is a man who had just seen Ratatouille and was like, anyone can cook, you say. All right, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> the painting was defaced by a security guard who has not been named, but is believed to be 60 years old and worked for a private security company, the Yeltsin Center said in a statement. There is a hilarious picture in the article uh, that I highly recommend you click through in the show notes. How did that not come up in the interview? Like, hey, <laughs> like orientation, right? <laughs> yeah, or even before that, be like, hey, if you're going to be a security guard in an art museum, you sort of have do you one know job. you're not supposed to touch the things and deface them. So he did this on his first day, right? That's he right. Got the, got the job, went in, immediately did this. It first feels premeditated. It's got to it be part of a heist, right? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, let's yeah. get there. Let's get there. Police have now opened an investigation for vandalism, which comes with a, in my opinion, paltry 395-pound fine. A slap oh, on that's the totally wrist. worth it. And a, yeah, a one-year correctional labor sentence. The painting is being restored. The damage, according to the restoration expert at the state Tretrikov Gallery, can now be eliminated without any long-term damage to the artwork. The damage to the painting and cost of restoration has been estimated at 2000 470 pounds. With that, I will give you 10 minutes on the clock to turn this evening of boredom into something decent. I'm telling you, day one, dude went in with a ballpoint pen to make the simplest and like not that expensive alterations to the painting to get it specifically to this restorer mm -hmm. something's hidden mm -hmm. in the frame of the painting and the restorer's uh -huh. in on it 100% and also the fact that the insurance that they it has such a high yes. insurance value yeah thank it's you just shenanigans. I don't know the fucking word for insurance <laughs> whatever number they put them on the painting because of the insurance that was in the article very necessary it was paid by the company that the guy worked for he's probably just fired who cares 100% this is how th they needed it to get stopped by the restorer who obviously maybe even swapped out the paintings who even know that this is the same painting yeah some, something's hidden who in the frame say? something's hidden in the canvas it's a heist they had to get it out this was the cheapest way to get it out 
they like the the security guy took the fall. He's going to be taken very well care of in prison by the benefactor of the heist. Sure. <laughs> like it's going to be fine. Now, is this like a national treasure situation where there's a clue in the painting that leads to something else, or is this like a spy thing where like oh. some codes to Russian cybersecurity or like what's hidden in the painting? See, That's see, what I want to get My default is just Ocean's Eleven because my default sure. is always Ocean's Eleven for all things. That's fair, but, fair. But I hadn't even considered like the the international espionage intelligence angle. And my uh, default is Ocean's Twelve because I respect the work of Julia Roberts. <laughs> Why? Unlike Misha Stanton. Why? <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, comedy could, is undercutting other people's jokes, right? I learned that in, a, yes. in, a book, in an improv book. <laughs> um, it could be they, something like um, they need the artist's fingerprints to open a vault or something ooh. like, you know, like they're extracting something that where they need to kind of like get it in a private room for a couple of hours. Leonardo da Vinci painted a different painting underneath the painting and they had to take it to the restore. That's right. Uh, I'm looking at the painting itself, uh, which thank you, Zach, because I'm haunted now forever by the eye holes drawn on by the security guy. I'm going to (laughs) see this in my dreams for the rest of time. Honestly, I might like the painting better with the eyes. I'm just going to (laughs) put it up. It might be slightly better with those eye things. I'm 100% with for the security yeah. guy. I know, but what I'm thinking is that each one of the the faces are very clear. It's the three figures and they have no faces, just kind of like small sloping hair coming off of all of them. I feel like each one is a code to something, some mm. sort of deep security. Like it is with the absence of eyes, you hold it up to a like eye screener thing uh-huh. uh, a retinal scanner uh, yeah. which is the word i was truly looking for um and i think that that would unlock something there has to be this has to be like a 1986 movie because mm-hmm. it involves the russians and getting closer in there and that's all we're doing is rehashing that uh nostalgia cycle so like sylvester stallone is trying to get this painting to hack into the to get into the kremlin sure Maybe. Well, there could have been something like there was a high ranking Kremlin operative who eventually once he kind of like retired and went into civilian life, the cover story was that he became a visual artist. Sure. And he actually became good enough at that, that he, you know, sort of eventually ended up his work ended up in galleries and somehow they know like, but like before he painted that painting on the canvas there was information there was something that you know like now the fate of the world depends on it i like i really like that angle of kind of like you know we need to get it to the restorer who will eventually but, restore it but, first, but this is also they're get under there but this is also so absurd that like i don't know i think i feel like it's got to be one of those like the death of stalin like absurdist mm-hmm. period sure. pieces also where like everyone's taking it very seriously but because everyone's taking it very seriously that's why it's funny yeah Mm. Sure, sure. So very, it's current. It is set in 1986. Sylvester Stallone is playing himself now <laughs> that he would have played himself in 1986. So it is, it is a farce in the way, like the the Nick yeah. Cage movie that's coming out where Nick Cage is playing himself. Playing himself. Absolutely yeah. excited. Yeah, we could that do that. Or- be great. I think if we wanted to make it even farcical, we could do like a death of Stalin kind of thing. Is that this is internal to the Russian security service? So Sylvester Stallone is playing a KGB agent in 1986. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And it, but just, he's he's in double cover because he's still playing <laughs> Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, hundred percent. Exactly. Yeah. Holy God. Like Sylvester Stallone in there. Wait, if we revealed that in 1980s America, Sylvester Stallone was a Russian sleeper agent, like how much of American pop culture history like changes? That's so huge. <laughs> the thing is, though, this was made. This movie seems increasingly it was made by Netflix. So who fucking cares what the plot is? Yes, yeah, a hundred million people are gonna watch it in the first twenty four hours, apparently. So we can just make it whatever we want. It's fine. So anyone tell me what Red Notice was about, and I will say you're lying. It was about wasn't nothing. Rush, wasn't Red Notice about a painting that somebody drew a bunch of googly eyes with ballpoint? I would have on? to have seen Red Notice, yeah. to, to yeah. even begin to answer that question. I would have had to problem. pay one red cent to notice what was the plot of Red Boom, Notice. Got him. <laughs> Excellent joke, Eric. Smoked. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh no. Oh god. No, I Anyway, yeah. where were we? Four no, minutes on the clock. Wow. So much time, Zach. That's incredible. So what is the podcast? Let me let me add a wrinkle in here. As I said before we started recording, what is the podcast that this movie was actually based on? Mm. Like what what is the hard facts that was delivered that is now being expositoried out into this entire large thing that is being adopted? Uh, it, it almost sounds like an episode of 99 PI or something like that. Like, you yeah. know, 99 PI does an episode about, you know, how like some paintings used to have like other things underneath them. And yeah. Netflix is like, boom, option that shit. Boom. Right government now. codes. Let's That's go. what they were talking about in that podcast. That ninety nine percent were talking about other paintings <laughs> yeah. or like yeah. sketches, codes, codes I to like find that. the Illuminati, or or it's like a mini series <laughs> about like someone who found codes under a painting but like those codes are defined because the cold war is over and all the mm-hmm. services that matter about them shut it down so like it's just sure, a person sure. found it in their attic that had codes and they like interview them for for this american life or something yeah like their yeah, second yeah. cousin lives in russia and they took the chance because i assume this was produced by nbc news they used yeah, the money from nbc news to go to russia bring their in their little zoom microphone with them right, right. and record it and you hear like a bird go Caw! In the background, I'm like I'm here, and my second cousin Dimitri's small house. It's been in our family for 150 years, but what we didn't know is that it had the codes. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Right, it would be the most podcast thing in the world to sort of do this, like five to eight part series investigating codes that no one knows what they go to. And at the end of the podcast, still no one knows what they go to. Weird. What would, mm. what would a podcast where there are codes in it that nobody knows where they go to be like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about <laughs> at all. Unclear. No one, no one should make a show like that. I, I, I don't, don't think I don't we have an audio fiction. What do we think, think about what that show would look like? <laughs> Thanks, everybody. We can move on now. Okay, good. Good, good, good. good. <laughs> um, this is, yeah, this is interesting. I do like the idea that at the end of the podcast, it's like it could have been one of four things. Like mm. one was like a co, like the paint, the, the painter was cre- was um, trying to get a secret message off to like a family member or it's like three out of four of them are very small and intimate. And the fourth right. one was like, mm-hmm. maybe one of those faces might have been the nuclear codes. We just have no idea. And now they were written sure. over with googly eyes in ballpoint pens. So we'll never know. <laughs> Again, this is so, this so, can all go back to the marketing for every everything everywhere all at once. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, so again, because I think that by, by, by this point, like, you know, the drugs are starting to kick in. Who is the main character in this? Like, who are we following through this tangle? Uh, uh, so, uh, I thought it was Sylvester Stallone. Was that, was yeah, that Sylvester unclear? Sylvester Stallone as the, <laughs> as the Kremlin, like, operative trying to track down this painting that they've lost track of because it got heisted by, like, the anti, like, the, they're like anti-villains because they're the villains of the movie, uh-huh. but, like, you, like, we root for them because they're objectively good or like they're better sure, than sure. they're better than like the Kremlin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he definitely gets the, see, this is where we bring the second cousin angle from the podcast in his second cousin, oh. Sylvester Stallone, the, the, the Russian operative, his second cousin is down on his look and they are very close. And his name I is see. also oh. Dimitri. And he's the his, one who his played, second cousin played by Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> I, possibly who uh, is the, is the security guard. We don't know anything about him. We just know he's 60. So that's yeah. perfect. The, so it could be anybody. The cousin. Yeah, that's actually perfect. Now it's dr- now the, now, <laughs> this conflict is drawn down family lines like it's dividing families that's drama we're gonna spend like 30 minutes going on a uh, on a tangent following the actual artist uh and uh, anna i uh, see i'm gonna make zach look much better by also trying to pronounce something and i'm not gonna be able to do it uh anna laporskaya uh how like she's tangentially related maybe it's uh i wonder if she's not real because you know what we definitely need to do mm-hmm. in this movie is take away the thought that women know how to paint <laughs> that should be very clear oh that we God. do that um that like it wasn't actually invented you know like how in um in Back to the Future, how rock and roll wasn't invented by a black man, but by uh, Marty McFly. Yeah, yeah. Very similar That's thing right, that we right, need to right. do. Yeah. No, it's almost like rock and roll just willed itself into being because, I mean, Marty heard it from Chuck Berry, but Chuck Berry heard it from Marty. So where did it come if from? If I've learned anything from other time travel staples slash classic Bill and Ted, it's that rock and roll is inherent to the fabric of the universe and will manifest yeah, no matter what you do to time. It holds it all together yeah. for like a span <laughs> right. of about 60 years in the back half of the 20th century. The closest that we ever get to understanding dark matter. Yeah. <laughs> mm, perfect. Dark matter would be a good metal band name. It's true. How much time do we have? <laughs> so, so I think that this painting, what like Anna didn't exist in the first place, and it was actually just like Sylvester Stallone go, uh, I don't know, just make some people without faces to really undercut that this painting mm-hmm. just sucks and it doesn't have yeah. any any sort of artistic merit here. Yes. I do, I do love the scene of his cousin Arnold Schwarzenegger interviewing for the job, and the guy's like looking at him, and you know it's Arnold, and it's like, why do you want this job? And Arnold Schwarzenegger was just like, I just love art. <laughs> I think it's fantastic. It's like, okay. <laughs> there is an explicit line sure. in there where they're like, um, Dimitri, there's just one thing I need to clear with you. You know, as a security guard, you cannot touch or deface the art, correct? That's right. All right, you're hired. Congratulations. <laughs> Welcome to the team. Smash his pen on my way out. Crossed behind his back. Yeah, exactly. Smash cut to titles. Oh, yeah. Holy here's shit, the, you now guys. that you're on the team, Sarah, I love what you said. Now that you're on the team, here's this uh, ceremonial pen that we give mm-hmm. to all new hires. Exactly. <laughs> the name of the museum on it. <laughs> well, that's been time for a minute now. Um, holy God, thank you for turning this terrible first day at work into just everything I ever wanted and didn't know. I'm glad that we got everything you you wanted out, Zach, because I'm about to take us to Florida, where nothing we want oh is is there. Uh-oh. 
Um, so for the second bad idea uh, comes from ABC Action News, Tampa Bay. Um, and I will just read the headline because it's kind of perfect. So Florida man caught on camera stealing a crossbow and stuffing it down his pants. Great. So where's the bad idea, Sarah? That all sounds <laughs> so normal. <laughs> Well, you'll Where see. else would he put a crossbow? <laughs> then down your pants, it's true. Um, so, yeah. in Mims, Florida, a man was arrested days after being caught on camera stealing a crossbow and stuffing it down his sweatpants inside a home improvement store in Florida. Uh, I just want to so- say, if there's any great example that policing doesn't work, is that this took days for this guy to get arrested. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So on Sunday, February 6th, after realizing two crossbows had been stolen from the True Value store located in Mims. And- <laughs> Wait, what happened to the other one? <laughs> <laughs> and also, why are there crossbows at a True yeah, Value store? Question. No, you can, I'm sorry. No, you can get crossbows pretty much anywhere. I actually totally believe that. Yeah, that, that one. I that was too, the but I think that's the stealth bad idea. Um <laughs> Employees checked the store's surveillance video, uh, and when they saw a crossbow stealing thief in action, according to the Brevard County Sheriff's Office, in the video, the thief later identified as Darren Durant could be observed walking into the store, stealing a pair of cutting tools off the shelf, and then cutting zip ties off of a Raven Rio crossbow. <laughs> Get it, Darren. He stole the materials to steal the crossbow from the same store? Mm-hmm. Incredible. Wow. Good. What efficiency. No, no. Um, Durant was then seen walking around the corner from where the crossbows were shelved and then stuffing the crossbow down the front of his pants so he could walk out of the store undetected. Um, There's no cameras in aisle four. Everyone knows that. (laughs) Everyone knows that. Um, Durant, per the sheriff's office, was arrested a few days later in a parking lot of a nearby Walgreens after he tried to run away from a deputy who noticed him. Um, As the, the... the sheriff's office said Durant was taken to the Seminole County Jail on an unrelated burglary charge. So there you go. She <laughs> <laughs> faces charges in Brevard County for felony petty theft. Um, short and sweet, Lovely. that's what I got for you. Crossbows in a Florida store are just designed to be stolen, I guess. Uh, I'm going to put 10 minutes on a timer. My God. So... Uh... Cut to the inventory clerk at this, uh, was it a hardware store? I believe so. It's called uh, True Value Store. Yeah. I mean, question anything mark, that has mark, value ends up there. I'm just yeah. imagining him like one late night, couple of beers, just being like, mm-hmm. oh man, I'd love to give me some more crossbows. Here's a wild pitch, but I am going to lean into uh, Eric Silver's uh, love of fantasy games. Ready? Please do. Ready. Dude stealing a crossbow from a hardware store, but in his mind, he's not seeing a crossbow store. He's not (laughs) seeing a hardware store. He's trapped in a fantasy world, in like a D&D high fantasy world, and he needs that crossbow to like break someone out of the castle, like save a princess or something. Right, right, right. To kill Misha. The like, you know, like gargoyles that are guarding. But like, but like every time we're away from his point of view, he is definitely robbing a normal hardware store. <laughs> Misha, this is perfect because you know what is in public domain and this what this is a remake of. This is fucking Don Quixote. Yes. Right? There we it. go. There we it. go. And you know what I love even more? Uh, like, that's all great. But, you know, that whole. Gabrielle does not love it. He wants to take it in a different direction. <laughs> no, 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 no. I am committing to this direction. 
um, that whole sort of logic of, oh, you need to get this thing, but you can't get it. Well, but don't worry about it. Like exactly like 200 meters to the left of it, there is the exact item you need in order to get it. That is the most D&D dungeon thing that yeah. I have ever heard. <laughs> it's, good, it's just good game design, Gabriel. <laughs> in the aisle that you need. <laughs> Oh man, the clerk is an aspiring DM and has organized the shelves not by items, but by like game right. mechanic design. Well, that that makes the the store clerk Sancho Panza right. Yeah. It's like I I go. don't see what they're seeing, but I wholly support the fantasy. I mean, it, there has to be like a beginning thing okay. where the mayor of Sarah. Where where are we in Florida? So we're in Mims, Florida. Perfect, great. Yeah, in a lot of windmills around. Uh, I guess the, ma- the the mayor of Mims is talking about how they're trying to diversify their energy so that when they're not just dependent upon fossil fuels and uh, because it's Florida uh, solar power is for the libs and for cucks so the best way we're going to get best energy is that we're putting up a fleet of windmills out there just to really uh-huh. put the really set it up in the beginning that we're doing yeah, a I mean, you just start opening shot and of like is, all the turbines yeah exactly and, and that is how this man who has spent most of his life gaming when he's not at his job at the gas station, loses his job, his like livelihood has a breakdown and just starts to sort of, you know, everything just starts to merge together. Okay, are you guys ready for this? Here's the here's the clincher here. Dude can't hold a job together because he's stuck in a fantasy world. He's stealing crossbows from hardware stores. He obviously can't like hold down a real job or like pay rent on a real apartment. So he has to stay in this like dingy little hotel by the side of the road. It's called the donkey hotel but the the neon and the l doesn't line up yes (laughs) perfect chef's kiss chef's kiss absolutely i love it i can also imagine just it's we're somewhere in between like don quixote but by way of like hustlers or Mm -hmm. what's the movie that came out that was based off of the the twitter thread that was incredible Oh, Zola? Zola? Yeah, by way of Zola, right? Yeah. Like, I can yeah. definitely see that being yeah, yeah. rendered in, like, the, this Florida this Florida thing, throwing some extra, extra D&D or video game thing on top of it. Sure, like it's sure. Skyrim, right? <laughs> He's trying to do bit. shouts yep. for the Dovahkiin. <laughs> like, this is going to be great. Yeah, I love, I really love this. Um, there's, there's, like, 30 minutes on the security tape where they're watching mm-hmm. him try to do, pick the locks <laughs> of things. They're watching his lock picks break but then he just like pulls the the clippers off as he gets the crossbow out yeah no this is great is there a faithful steed is it just like a shopping cart like like sort of what is the what's the most obnoxious motorcycle you could drive through the streets of florida a regular (laughs) dirt bike (laughs) any any (laughs) maybe it's an atv yeah oh yeah Oh, because it has like, to have four like, legs. Yeah, Sarah's like, right. I, Sarah, like, no, 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 no. I'm sorry that no, I would guys. do this to you. <laughs> guys, guys. Sorry. You, you, you have been to uh, uh, boardwalks where they have those games where you can win the tiny motorcycles that are like 
right? Oh like, the little circus like motorcycles. Down. Exactly, exactly. Like they're almost, they would be for kids if they didn't also go 70 miles an hour. Sure. Yeah. Jesus, I have not seen these things, but oh my God. <laughs> Gabriel, you should spend more time on Florida boardwalks, apparently. Exactly what it sounds like. I've only seen them. There's a lot of people crossbows just kind of walking around. I've only seen them in the Jersey Shore, but I imagine that they would make it down to Florida. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. I think that's, I think that's likely. Guess I got to go to Atlantic City. I feel like this would be a really meaty role for a bunch of people, especially mm. because like you get to play both sides, both like the antagonists, yes. um, the love interest, and even Sancho Panza, where they get to play like the Florida dirtbag version of them and also the high fantasy version. Yeah. So you really get a lot of a lot to chew on. Um, I can see like Rosario I'm just saying, Dawson. If you thought that Willem Dafoe was good in Florida Project, wait until you see him <laughs> in, there you in go. this Florida there you Project. Go. Oh, yeah. Gabriel, no. Wow. Um, I can see Rosario Dawson having a really good time playing the oh, yeah. um, the love interest um, and being like both a Florida woman and also like a high fantasy princess. Mm-hmm. That would be incredible. The I, there, what what kind of CGI monstrosity are we talking about here? Um, with the final boss fight being against the windmills, I can only assume. Like, what do we think it turns into? Do you think that there is a tie-in with Monster Energy Drink somewhere? I'm seeing just like the worst, the worst dragon monster. Like truly, the worst CGI ever. I mean, the other option is Red Bulls with wings because of reasons. That's a good one. Or uh, it's literally just the the reused CGI files from the Kraken in in Pirates of the Caribbean. (laughs) (laughs) Just copy paste the same sequence. Honestly, that's very funny. I like that a lot. Except with lower budget for the rendering, so just yeah. like a poor imitation. The new turbines fall into the water and then it turns into a kraken. That's very good. I like that. Oh my god! I mean, we can any honestly put whatever we want in terms of branded IP in there because, like, Free Guy just did that. Uh, you know, at the end of Free Guy, there like there's a big fight with Ryan Reynolds against a big Ryan Reynolds, and he uses like. Captain America Shield and Hulk. And then fist. Chris Evans is there and is watching it on his phone, like actual Chris Evans. <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> so if it's if it's made by like onto HBO Max, we can just pull all of that stuff. Like get the there's just there's White Walkers just walking yeah. around would be perfect. Let's let's just space jam this up and <laughs> they're just doing kind of every, like they're space jamming everything else. Like they may as well. Come on and slam um, and welcome to the fantasy quest. <laughs> <laughs> Did we do it? What does the Sancho Panza character get out of this? Like, sort of like, why are they enabling a viral TikTok sensation? That's oh, good enough uh, reason. I hate I it, do- but. I got I got one. It's the Sancho Panza. So that's the clerk from the hardware store, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. right. I suppose so. Yeah. Also, uh, absolutely making a killing on the side with his bat bat salt business. And oh, no. everywhere they go, they run into other people. And he's and he's just like, yeah. And um, if you want to, you know, join in on the fun, you know, people see, uh, uh, you know, whoever Don Quixote running around and is like, hey, you want to get on that level? And Sancho Panza is right there. <laughs> God, I really want Michael wow. Pena from Ant-Man, like his Ant-Man yes. persona oh, yeah, to get yeah, in there yeah. with Sancho Panza. <laughs> That's a pairing. Willem Dafoe and Michael Pena, buddy movie, yeah. Don Quixote in Florida. 
I actually would pay money to watch that. I think he would do a really good job. I think he, he, because he would have so much to do. Yeah, you'll see more on everyone. He's great in that. And like, uh, and as like a dude who knows what's going on, but is corrupt as hell and benefiting from all of it. Absolutely. 30 seconds. What's it called? I was trying, I was trying to think of a La Mancha pun for a really long time and I couldn't do it. Um, I do want to, I just want to say, Misha, I love your idea, but I think Sarah took the the writer's lazy route out by making it social media. And yes. I need to acknowledge that Sarah's probably right. Yeah. <laughs> it's just for TikTok. I mean, it's the man of La Mancha, right? So like the man of Florida instead of Florida man. Florida man. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, yeah, there no, that's it. That's definitely it. We can end with that and not with that's me being right. That's fine. Now. Man of Florida. There it is. There, there it is. Go. There yeah, it is. That's great. Oh, that's this was great. delightful. Thank you all so much. <laughs> oh, uh, I want everyone to acknowledge that I didn't say, is that a crossbow in your pants? Are you just happy to see me until the end here to see if someone else would say it? Because I am a giving improviser. <laughs> and uh, I just want everyone Excellent. to acknowledge that I, I waited. We appreciate you, Eric. You know, we steered clear of that. We steered clear of jokes about like what happens when the crossbow goes off in his oh. pants. Honestly, the crossbow was only the beginning. <laughs> is that Tagline, yeah, the crossbow is only the beginning. Absolutely. I can already see the poster art and it is not safe for work. Based on a true story. Is that Mana Flow Rider 2? More <laughs> more guns, more bows. <laughs> Good lord. Phenomenal. We will be surrendering ourselves to law enforcement shortly, but not before this quick break. Zach, we have 36 hours before they look at the tape. We're fine. <laughs> <laughs> Hello there, Zach Valenti jumping into this episode with this brief reminder that we have an active Patreon page to support the production of No Bad Ideas and all the other crazy worlds we're building behind the scenes. To check that out, scope the sweet rewards we offer for monthly subscriptions as well as how to sign up yourself. Head on over to nobadideaspodcast.com support. Once more, that's nobadideaspodcast.com slash support. If you already support the show, we so appreciate that. And regardless, thank you for listening. All right, let's get back to more No Bad Ideas. Right, folks, we're back and just hours away from turning ourselves into the authorities for that last idea. Um, but before we do, we just wanted to sit down and have a conversation about all things professional podcasting. Wow. That's us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you guys now are full-time podcast makers. You, this has been your job for a while. Is it still wild to you? Like, are are you annoyed at work? Like, what has, has your life changed about from for being full time creators? I'm just curious. Like, where are you at right now? I mean, first off, uh, so I've been working from home since I since 2017. So like, when everyone was mm-hmm. like, now I have to work from home and be in my house, I'm like, 
yeah, that's that's it. That's that's how it goes. <laughs> and so, so um, there was like a big pivot, you know, in 2020 when everything shut down and people had to find new jobs or find different ways of making money doing stuff in their house. Um, and to kind of have just been there was nice. I don't know. I thought that I was going to go to a, a more of a place. I thought I had more to say about that. <laughs> no, I agree with you. I It's been not having to go to an actual office full of company people since 2019 for me has yeah. been very, very nice. I mean, we have the Multitude Studio out in scenic uh, Greenpoint, Brooklyn, and that has been very, very nice that uh, Amanda McLaughlin and I, my partner in Life, Love, and Podcasting, we've been <laughs> able to go there during the pandemic, so I haven't just been inside nice, nice. of my of my apartment the entire time. And like, right. luckily, um, our head of production at Multitude, uh, Brandon, moved across the country right before the pandemic started. So he prepped us all on how to do remote recording in February 2020. Like he put in the, the, the methodologies and the way. And so it was pretty seamless for all of us uh, and Multitude to kind of figure that out. But I think the thing that has been changing in 2021 and 2022, as we've been getting like more momentum, getting out uh, from underneath um, the terrible way to the pandemic has put on everyone but specifically on like the media creative industry is that we've been able to like actually hire people and like misha works for mm -hmm. multitude now and has a real i mean salary in so many ways at least it's a retainer so like yeah. that's been nice and i don't know if you've ever had that in your life misha and i'm I, yeah literally nice. never this is the first time it's been amazing um to like be i mean be in a place and I guess what I've always wanted, like the reason I've worked with so many collaborators myself in the past is because all I really want is to like be in the makerspace making stuff and someone says, here's a new thing to make and then I make it and also I can pay my rent. Like yeah. that's all I want. Yeah. So working for Multitude has been really nice. I'm also uh, working right now for like a show that I make one day a week for a show that comes out five days a week, so, which is also really consistent and I just like know what I'm doing every Thursday and that it's, Right. It's really yeah. wild to to have had this big turn where everyone's turning into independent creators and people who were independent creators can now be like very professional independent creators. And I don't know, getting hired by your friends, I recommend it. <laughs> Do it if you can, get hired by your friends. Yeah. Get that retainer. Get that fancy senior title. Yeah, <laughs> live the dream. <laughs> it, um, it only works because I'm Misha's junior editor. That's why it fits together. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I'll, I'll also throw this in there that like also get hired by your friends because they understand and will continue as um, you continue to create your own hours and create your own schedule. Because I'm. Uh, pretty severely disabled. Uh, I have a lot of trouble making mornings happen, uh, but the ways I'm disabled kind of make it easier for me to do night work. Uh, so I, mm -hmm. I really make my own hours. Uh, I have the whole time. It's part of why I have made podcasting work for so long is I really like the ability to compensate when I can for my own disability. Um, and like, Working for Multitude has also been great because I'm working for my best friends, Amanda and Eric, and like they already knew what I was how I was disabled when they hired me. So even though I'm in California and work 12 to 8, which is basically when all of them are asleep in New York, uh, but <laughs> after all of y'all have gone to bed, I'm in the mines working. But like it's been nice to to 
have that, but still like within a structure with someone who's understanding. And it's, it's been really nice. I read somewhere that there's no such thing as a podcast emergency. Someone who had worked in public radio or something had tweeted that or had written that in an article. And I'm really? like, that is- someone should, someone should tell some of the clients I've had. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> and I'm like, I was thinking about that. I'm like, oh, you definitely have managers who think that there is a such a thing as a podcast emergency, the person who wrote that. Right. But that's how it works. I mean, Misha is going to edit something and then it's going to be in my Slack or in my Dropbox when I wake up, when I start doing stuff. And that just needs to be scheduled. The wonderful thing about podcasting specifically is that you can schedule things and like do pickups in different places and it will fit together really seamlessly, which is why why this medium works so well in having folks flung across the country. I mean, Multitude has people in Brooklyn, in Long Island, in Cleveland, in Washington State, and in California. And also in the UK. And in the UK. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, it's really helpful. It's really helpful that we can just like all, although it's really difficult to get everyone together for one big meeting, it is helpful to like, we just, you just (laughs) need to put a file somewhere and then someone will edit it and put it in there and then it'll get scheduled. By actually looking at what we're doing, we don't need to do the thing that managers need. Like I don't, no one should have to look over someone else's shoulder while they're editing or doing stuff. Like you just put the hours in and you make it. It just needs to get made. Yeah. And if you, and if you know that you've hired the right person, you'll trust them that mm-hmm. they know what they need to do better than you can micromanage them into doing the thing. I did have a manager when I was doing like my creative jobs before Multitude. I had a manager who told me that her strategy of management was micromanagement. And I told her that was bad uh-huh. and that I got it written up. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. wow. It, was, it was wild. <laughs> wild times. Just like just like a spite write up. Oh yeah. Just a, because a she just up. like hated she just like hated me and couldn't and couldn't deal with it. Yeah, hundred percent. It sounds like the two of you should not have been working together. Who <laughs> cool. if only I'll give only Gabrielle. I could have just quit, quit my job at the time and she wasn't moving up the <laughs> corporate ladder at the time. Who who would have said? Um but yeah, no, I mean it's funny I say this because I understand what's what I'm saying, but like it's nice job creating, right? Like if you have enough yeah. money, the thing you should do is hire people because then you get to do less. You know how in creative jobs you have seven different hats? You get to do less yep. and you also get to give someone what they're worth. You you trust the person who it is and they get to work on your thing. Like, yeah. it's, it's, And you get to feel like Lorenzo de' Medici because you just kind of clap your hands together and go like, you know, <laughs> oh, artist. I would like to patronize you and have you make a beautiful thing here. Have the resources. Go do it. Editor Manservant, I would like to play an eccentric billionaire on our new game show pilot. <laughs> make it happen. <laughs> it's, <laughs> I mean, yes, but also, <laughs> but also you're much nicer about it and you get to creatively collaborate. Though I would much yeah. rather do that with the people who are around me than like corporate work, you know, like even in, even in yeah. podcasting, even what we do in Multitude, you still got to work with clients and stuff. And like, here's a wild thing. Companies that think that they know about that that are going to say at the beginning like hey you guys are the podcast professionals you just do your thing we're going to watch what you're doing 
that's not usually how it bears out when you're at the end of client work. So it's just like, it's hard. You're doing the same, you're doing the same thing that you were doing before, which is someone yeah. looking over your shoulder, micromanaging you, telling you exactly what you need to do right now, or then bad things will happen because they care about things that are not you. So it's, it's hard. You still got to do it when, because that's like where a big lump sum of money is. But like, what is the, the cost benefit there? Like how many man hours and emotional yeah. frustrating conversations is worth that amount of love sum, which, by the way, is going to get paid out over five installments And as you're badgering them and telling them and have to get into their own payee system in the first place. Yeah, I mean, something I really like about transitioning from really working for myself and getting my every single one of these jobs on my own to working for Multitude, and I'm sure I just like transferred this, her- this headache to Amanda and Eric, but a really stressful thing about being a freelance creator full-time is A, talking to your parents about it, but B, yes. talking to your parents about, you know, like sometimes I'll call my my mom and she'll be like, are you still working for that company? And I'll go, well, it's not that I was ever really hired by them or and like right. fired. It's just that they did. They, they decided not to hire me today. And it's always a matter of like keeping the client happy so that they'll hire you next time because there's no guarantee. It's not like you're ever fired. Yes. They can just decide not to hire you today. Yeah. They can also do has been really nice because they're they they've said they looked me in the eyes they sat me down they looked me in the eyes and said no misha we will hire you again tomorrow we promise and it's been really nice yeah it's also nice i want to say to that point it's nice having misha around to edit my stuff like i do this with brandon brandon grugel our head of production and the editor of join the party i get to do that with that one show but if we're doing other stuff and misha has time i'm just like Hey, Misha, let's work on this. I need someone to help me do engineering totally. and editing and sound design. Can you help me take the thing out of my head? And I will. And obviously you'll be there during the recording and let's make something. So it is kind of nice having someone be like, we need you for these hours. You want to do something weird doing some of those hours? Do you got time for that? Yeah, yeah I was going to say, like, I think that kind of stability and also community of working with friends just breeds more projects. So I'm curious if you guys have been more creative since you've had, like, you've sort of settled at Multitude. Yes. The answer is yes. Nothing we can super duper talk about currently at this moment, but like hopefully soon. We're developing a bunch of projects, you know, and we are doing it because... Why am I waiting around for someone to give me money from a company that is probably like laying off half of its employees right now? Like, you know how the idea the, this is something that we, we learned. Amanda was speaking at the Hot Pod Summit, which was like all these I- industry people talking about stuff that was going on. And there was a guy from Tenderfoot, you know, the people who made Atlanta Monster, who and they had an adaptation, yeah. right? They had Atlanta Monster get adapted and they were like, yeah. Uh, we were looking around and, and everyone kept saying that the, the IP to Hollywood pipeline was going to be an entire business model and stuff. But like that doesn't happen. We, that we that happened to us once and then like it just doesn't work and he was really like laying that out and that was the first time I had heard that and that's also a thing in podcasting like oh I'm gonna have this idea and I'm gonna bring it to this company and they're definitely gonna give me a hundred thousand dollars to make exactly the thing that I want and they're never gonna have any notes and it's gonna be perfect and like that never happens and for some reason we've all looked around and said that's some some benevolent uh, patron as you said Gabrielle this guy is gonna come <laughs> down and be like yeah here's five hundred thousand dollars to make the fiction podcast of your dreams and like 
we have to do something smaller, but at least it's ours and we're working on it in-house. Yeah. And like, yeah. so I get to come up with an idea and figure it out. And then I'm going to get hands on it. I'm going to get notes from everyone and we're going to work on it. And then hopefully it'll come out. But we'd rather do the thing we're good at, which is like have Amanda sell ads on it in a really good way and in a sustainable way and build up our Patreon and let the community work. than try to hope that someone's going to drop $100,000 in our lap, no strings attached. That makes a ton of sense. You know, I came to hear this call with $100,000 I was hoping to drop in your lap, but I guess you don't need it. So I'll just... Oh, God, real, you should have said something. I'll, I'll just keep it. <laughs> and, um... Well, that's that's the thing, right? Because Because it's not that no one's going to come along. Like, it truly... If you're good at something and you work hard at it and are very lucky and have uh, some privilege to you doesn't hurt. Yes, the the luck helps and the privilege yeah, helps. No, absolutely. Like I got into, I mean, y'all know because Zach, Gabrielle, Sarah, we got into podcasting around the same time. Like we really got in at the right freaking time. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. but like, it's not that no one's going to give you that money, but it's that like you're going to get that money and there's going to be a lot of strings attached to it. So would you rather yes. have the big money with the strings, which is fine. If that's if you don't mind working that way, that's great. I don't I've learned that I don't really like working that way a lot. So like I've chosen something else for myself, but but yeah, it's it's if you don't like working that way, there are other ways to be successful and I would say even content doing this. Yeah, there's a there's a big if is like if you get that money, which you could, I guess, theoretically, if you do, it's going to be it's going to be like that, though. There are even from like a corporate perspective, like making a podcast for a corporate client, like lots of people that that's around all the time. And people are always wanting it because companies think podcasts are great marketing opportunities and they like being attached to it. But it's the 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 strings on that are going to be really are always going to be really tough. Yeah. I mean Misha Misha's right, but we try to do the thing that multitudes good at, which is build community, make podcasts that are beacons for people to find other people like themselves, both the both the hosts and the creators and the other people who listen to it and build the community from there. Listen, I mean this wouldn't all wouldn't happen unless Amanda knew ex- exactly what she was doing and is like the best business. I, I think about you. Yeah. You guys know Drawfee? <laughs> you know uh, Drawfee, the yeah. YouTube channel? At one point, they yeah. described themselves. I, I was watching a stream. I love watching the, the Drawfee streams. And they're like, we're not the funniest people, and we're not the best artists, but we're definitely the funniest people who make jokes while we draw. And I'm like, uh-huh. that's, that, that is the truest thing. Is like, you just need to find the thing you're best at in the most niche place possible that has like people mm. around it. And like, Amanda is the smartest person about business and podcasting. And like, thank God. That's another thing that like I, I said, get hired by your friends it also helps when your friend is like the smartest person you know <laughs> true well and i did want to ask i feel that like you look at the literature that's on the internet and 50 percent of it is work with your friends it's the greatest thing ever and then the other 50 percent of it is never work with your friends it always goes horribly you know like it'll end up like yeah. raising your farmlands it'll crush your soul oh, so you Are there the sort thing of... i wrote <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was pretty good it's pretty good yeah, yeah yeah very very accurate um are there sort of any practices that you guys have found for kind of how to end in the first half of that literature rather than in like where me and Sarah have ended up? Yes, I think (laughs) that I think that like it is great when you can work with your friends. But before you do that, you should make sure your friends are good at 
business. Yeah. You know, like, mm-hmm. no, like no offense. I have some friends that are terrible at business that I would not want to be in business with. And like, right. I am so grateful that like Amanda and Eric have been such really good friends to me. And also that they know what the hell they're doing that I have that like, I also, I started working for multitude kind of in a, like a here and there capacity in like mid 2020, you know, we've been friends since, you know, 2016, whenever we got into podcasting. Um, but like, I, I was watching slowly over time and I like started with my toe in the water and I really made sure that like multitude knows what it's doing and they do. And I, I, after giving me that grace period, like it's, it's very clear. And so it is, it's great to be able to work for my friends when they know what they're doing. You know what I mean? I would rather work for someone that is not my friend that knows what they're doing with a business that can like kind of create, like make it sustainable, both from a monetary sense and like a, a labor burnout, you know, what, you know, sense. I would rather work for someone who, who, I am confident knows what they're doing in that capacity that isn't my friend and have friends that I see for Dungeons and Dragons every week or whatever. Um, Absolutely. And and it's like, it's great to be able to say like, oh, my friends do really know what they're doing. I would like to work for them. And then that's the best of everything. Yeah, it it definitely helped that we met Misha through podcasting in that like we started there. It's harder to go the other way because you don't know if someone cares about the same thing you do in your professional space. Like I, I agree with Misha. I don't want to have business with all my friends and also there's like the millennial thing of like you need to monetize your hobbies because you're not allowed to do anything for fun Mm -hmm. so like anything you would do with your friends you have to turn into a job yeah you're not allowed to have any free a free fun so it's like really trying to make sure to to if you're gonna do something like you gotta talk about like what does it mean to be successful? How much work do you want to put into this? Yeah. You got to have some long conversations. So it was easier because we we met Misha in the job in in the podcasting context in the first place. But yeah, it, it, you end up fracture you end up really fracturing the uh, relationships that you have because you're going to put work on top of it. And then you like, I need to have you. We were only going to talk about this in Slack. We're only going to talk about this in Discord. You really want to make sure that stuff is separate and that you don't ruin the other thing by adding the other thing on top of it. And because work, this is what we do as Americans. Work comes before everything else. So like the work thing is going to subsume the other thing. And that's bad. So you really got to be careful about that. I think I, I also I think like explicit goals, explicit boundaries, communication is very important. Um, just making sure that like, yeah, that everything's on the same page and kind of like, yeah, that you can put the work away to still be friends. And also you can put the friendship away to do to, to like knuckle down and be at work mm-hmm. is is a, a skill that takes practice for sure. But Yeah. Um, nope, I don't, I don't have a, but it, it takes practice. <laughs> yeah. I really like working with Misha. I really like working with a lot oh, of these collaborators as someone, although I obviously have some editing skills and very rudimentary sound design skills because I did <laughs> force Brandon to teach me everything that he knew and he did while we were working together, um, at the old terrible job where I met Brandon in the first place. Like, I really like having these collaborators and having a relationship with a editor and sound designer. And I've been able to do that with Brandon and join the party and join the party has been incredible. And I'm so happy that I have someone to do this and working on new projects with Misha, both as we work together on corporate projects and, and personal ones that we get to do for multitude has been really fun. And 
as I say, when I go on everyone's other podcast, and as I try to say to the people who work in post with me, I want to be the best person at this. Like, I, I know what it's like to work in post and I know what it's like, you know, to have people on your podcast. So I always want to be the best possible version of that and set everyone else up for success. So like when I work with Misha, I'm like, dog, I need you to be in this recording. So you hear what it is and we, you can, we can give each other notes on this and I'm never going to give you a script yeah. where I'm like, Misha, figure it out. Like, I never want to do that. I never want to be that person. <laughs> so um, I, I try really hard to make the people who I work with, the editors and sound designers I work with have a good time. And um, it's been fun. And I get to, I get to bounce, bounce stuff off of Misha and Misha has been really, um, integral to listening to me talk about stuff for D&D for for joining the party um and it's it's been really nice doing that I love you too Eric thanks it's been a really great time All right, this is getting gross, so I'm going to shut it down. <laughs> that is it for this episode of No Bad Ideas. That is the time that we have. Eric, Misha, thank you guys so much for coming on here and sharing your creativity, your anarchic energy, your business acumen. It's all fantastic, as is so much of the work that you do. If people want to see more of your work, where should they go? Is there anything that you're currently doing that you really want to point people towards? What, what's what's going on? Oh, man. Um, listen and join the party, the show that I DM that we're finishing up campaign two. Uh, that the last Ooh. story episode is going to be on May 3rd. So you can listen to the entire second campaign, which is a, a modern superhero story set in upstate New York. If that sounds interesting, you're really, really going to enjoy it. I also uh, produce This is Good For You, a wonderful show uh, hosted by Nicole Perkins, where Nicole Perkins talks about how uh, things that you love, hobbies that you have, things that you only do for pleasure, and she is incredibly talented. You might remember her from Thirst Aid Kit, and she is the best. And also, if you feel like um, being part of the multi-crew, I'm also the producer of Head Hard Gut, our weekly multitude podcast uh, about arguments over things, uh, groups of three things, and trying to pick out which is the best. So, which is the best primary color, which is the best starting Pokemon, which is the best flavor of Nepal- uh-huh. Neapolitan ice cream figuring that stuff out um and i'm gonna have more shows that i'm producing soon but so three plus three plus shows i'm, I'm making right now Amazing. yeah please go listen to those i'm a creative consultant on join the party and i edit this is good for you and head heart gut uh i also do horse and exolore for multitude and a couple of other things that eric and i are cooking up i also am working on like i said uh, a daily history show called history daily I didn't make that up. That's really nice. what it's called. Um, uh, I make it about one or two episodes of that a week, but it's a fi- it's every day. This day in history, um, it's very it's good bite size, like any docudrama series. Uh, and I also recently finished season two of my beloved action adventure comedy show, Star Tripper, yes. which is like the Saturday morning cartoon of your dreams. But like the best Saturday morning cartoon. An intergalactic file clerk uh, quits his job, sells all his stuff, buys a used spaceship, gets a podcasting implant implanted into his neck, Classic. and searches the stars for the most exciting stuff to do. Uh, it's it, very near and dear to my heart. Season two ha- has some of the most incredible sound design I've ever done. I really love it. Please check it out. And when And when Misha says some of the most incredible sound design they've ever done... That I've done, means I've done some stuff. It's a high bar. Bar. It's really incredible. <laughs> yeah. Everybody, please check it out and have your mind blown. You'll thank us later. All right, guys. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you for tuning in, everybody. We'll be back next week for more No Bad Ideas.
This has been No Bad Ideas, produced by Gabrielle Urbina, Sarah Shackett, and Zach Valenti. Many thanks to our patrons for their partnership in making this show happen. And a special shout out to our Idealist members, Jennifer Schneider, Rena Sarame, Jeffrey Felsher, and Dia. Today's episode features music by Statesher and Jazar from freemusicarchive.org. You can support the show at nobadideaspodcast.com slash support. And if you love this show, please leave a rating or review wherever you listen and share it with someone you love. 